Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We all know them, right? Storms that pop up in our lives, they come up suddenly and they make our hearts afraid and fill us with doubts. Over the course of the next several weeks, let's take encouragement from the Word of God to help us through those storms of life, those difficult times, so that we can storm-proof our lives. Today, our focus is that it is Jesus who calms our storms. Just out of curiosity, hopefully you can get a decent look at it. Anybody ever seen that painting before? No one. Okay. It's done by an author named Jack Dawson, an artist named Jack Dawson. And he called it simply, Peace in the Midst of the Storm. And maybe as you glance at it from a distance, as you're looking at it today, you see all oh, the waters crashing down over the stones. You see the lightning in the background. It looks like a pretty good storm, but it's just a painting of a storm, right? Until you look a little bit closer. There's a lot of hidden parts to this painting, and I want to single out one of them right here. I'm going to blow it up for you so you can see what's there. In the midst of that storm is a bird sitting on her nest, tucked away into the, ro the, the rock and safe from all of the things that are going on around her. I think maybe if we thought about Mark chapter 4 and, and, and Jesus' miracle of stilling the storm, we could say that even though they didn't realize it, the disciples were like that bird. And Jesus is the rock. He's the one that keeps all storms away from us. This miracle in Mark chapter 4 is truly incredible. It not only demonstrates Jesus' power, but his care and concern, not just for the disciples, but for you and me too. And so today, as we think about those storms in our lives, let's remind ourselves, hear from God again, that Jesus is the one who calms storms. And as we look at these words from Mark, we'll see first that he has power over all things. And that secondly, he strengthens our hearts. I'm going to go back and, and just read the first three verses with you to let Mark set the stage. This, this account of Jesus stilling the storm is found in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but it's Mark who reports it in the most detail. Many believe that part of the reason Mark had more detail is the source for his Gospel was the Apostle Peter, who most likely was an eyewitness to what was going on and could report to Mark what had happened. Here's how Mark sets up the miracle. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. The sea that the disciples were traveling on was the Sea of Galilee. I put a map on the screen for you there, a topographical map, so you could kind of get an idea of why the Sea of Galilee is so notorious for being unpredictable. Maybe you can simply see by the topography here that the Sea of Galilee lies in a pretty deep valley. As a matter of fact, the Sea of Galilee is almost 700 feet below sea level. And the Sea of Galilee is surrounded, as you can tell, by hills and even mountains, some as high as 22 to 2,400 feet above sea level. Now, I'm no meteorologist, but I do understand that when cold air rushes down from those hills and mountains and the warm air rises off the lake 
and those two things collide, storms are the result. And so it was common for these quick storms to pop up on the Sea of Galilee. As we find Jesus getting into the boat with his disciples, he had had a busy day. If you go back and read Mark chapter 4, he's done a lot of teaching. As a matter of fact, some of that teaching that Jesus did was right along the shores of the Sea of Galilee at Capernaum and they pushed him out into the lake on a boat so that the people could see and hear him. And when evening came, once again, Jesus was tired. And so he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind, Mark says. We kind of know that this happens with Jesus. He needs some time alone, some time in prayer. He goes off with his disciples to be by themselves, but this night was going to be a little different. Because on this night, one of those storms, those infamous storms on the Sea of Galilee was going to rear its ugly head. Maybe you've thought about this as you were thinking about the people on the boat with Jesus. Some of the disciples that were on the boat with Jesus were experienced fishermen, people who made their living on the Sea of Galilee, who certainly were very familiar with how quickly storms could pop up on that sea. And yet even with that knowledge, they weren't prepared for the storm that came that night. Mark just calls it a furious squall, a great storm. And we get some idea of how bad it is in his description of the waves crashing over the boat so that the boat is swamped. And even in the disciples' own words, we hear them say to Jesus, as we'll read in just a moment, don't you care if we drown? They thought they might die. No wonder why we use that metaphor in our world today. Even if we're not talking about an actual physical storm, we call the troubles and the things that enter into our lives that are unwanted, the problems that we face in this world, we call them storms. We call them storms because like the storms on the Sea of Galilee, they have a tendency to pop up quickly, unexpectedly, when we're not prepared for them. One moment our life seems calm and the next moment there are troubles. Jesus had an answer for his disciples. And Mark reports it this way. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Do you find it interesting that Jesus can sleep through all of this? That he's sleeping in the boat? Mark adds the details that he's in the stern of the boat. He's sleeping on a cushion. The waves are crashing over the boat and, and Jesus is asleep. It's a good reminder, isn't it? In this same miracle, we get to see both natures of God, that, of Jesus, that he is first of all true God. We'll see that as he calms the storm. He's also true man. He got tired. He needed some rest. He needed to sleep. But the disciples didn't read it that way, did they? They came with what amounted to an accusation against Jesus. Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Will you just imagine with me for a moment what that must have sounded like to Jesus? To hear his disciples say to him, don't you care? Didn't they know how much Jesus cared for them? Didn't they see 
in his teaching and in his miracles that Jesus was something special? Maybe we simply say to ourselves, really? How could the disciples accuse Jesus of that? How could they even harbor the thought that somehow Jesus didn't care for them? Until we consider our own worries, our own fretting, over the storms that come into our lives that seem to threaten to capsize everything that makes us comfortable, the fears of this world that that fill our hearts with worries so that we pace, bite our fingernails, and wonder if we're ever going to get out of our troubles. Like the disciples, we maybe don't voice the words, but aren't there times where we wonder if Jesus is asleep? Asleep as we need his help? Wondering if he really cares about us, wondering if he's going to let us flounder on our own through the storms of our life until we potentially drown. Don't you find it amazing that Jesus' response to the disciples wasn't to scold them, wasn't to turn over and stay sleeping? Instead, he demonstrated to them how much he really cared, how much he loved them. He stood up, he addressed the wind and the waves with just A word, he demonstrated his power over all things. Quiet. Be still. And all of a sudden, it was as if the storm had not even happened. There was no wind. Complete calm. The storm had ended. Maybe you saw this on the news a few weeks ago. This is a picture from I-95 in in Virginia. About three weeks ago, as people were traveling, a a snowstorm popped up a a tad bit unexpectedly. And the plows couldn't get out and help. And there were people that were literally trapped on the interstate for over 20 hours. I can't tell you for sure, but, but I'm pretty confident that the drivers who got into their cars that morning and ended up on I-95 did not think to themselves, I better prepare myself for being on the interstate for the next 20 hours because it's probably going to take that long to get to my destination. And again, that's the nature of storms, isn't it? We're often not prepared for the things that happen to us in this life. We, we, we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow or next week or next month. And so we feel comfortable. We think everything seems to be going well. Our budget's in the right place until an unexpected event, an expense happens, and then that budget seems to be blown to pieces. We think we have our futures all figured out, and if we get into the right classes this semester, everything will work, and I'll get that internship and the job that I wanted, and then you can't get into a certain class, or the internship dries up. Maybe it's a relationship where you've had disagreements with someone before, but but this time something was said or done that seems to be beyond repair. Or maybe it's that trip to the doctor, a routine checkup, and the doctors find something and say to you, we're going to need some additional tests. You need to stay overnight in the hospital. Maybe it's just something that we said or did that's created a guilt storm in our hearts, something that we can't get past, something that we wish we could go back and undo, but we can't. All of those things can be the storms of this life that can swamp us, that can weigh us down. Like the disciples, it's then we need to flee to Jesus. 
Even though they accused Jesus of potentially not caring about them, they knew where they had to turn in the midst of a storm, and so do we. Remember your Savior, the one who can say to our storms, quiet, be still, and has the power to change those storms, to end them. Take a look at how Jesus used this as a chance to instruct his disciples and encourage them. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Maybe you noticed it as we read through it a couple of times that after, after the storm was calmed, after the wind was gone and the waves had abated, Jesus still used the present tense as he addressed his disciples. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's kind of interesting that the disciples' fears continued after the storm had ended. As a matter of fact, when Mark tells us that the disciples were terrified, the original Greek stacks up three words to demonstrate just how afraid they actually were. If we were to read it and just transliterate exactly what the text said, it would say the disciples were afraid with fear much or a lot. This is after the storm was calmed. And so we might have to ask ourselves, why? Why were they still so afraid? They were now on calm, a calm sea. And I suppose you can make the case for the fact that after you fight a storm, it takes a little bit of a while for your, your pulse to slow down and your heartbeat to restore to normal and, and maybe that fear was left over. Certainly the disciples express a little bit of their awe at Jesus, the one who was able to calm storms. But might there just be a misunderstanding that the disciples still had about who Jesus was and what he had come to this earth to do? And what Jesus is seeking to do is calm really a second storm. And this storm had nothing to do with wind and waves. This was a storm that was going on in the disciples' hearts. I find it amazing that, that Jesus questions, are you still so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Those weren't meant to be scolding to the disciples. Certainly, the disciples recognized that they had fallen short. But those are loving questions from Jesus. That's Jesus calling his disciples to repentance. That's Jesus saying to you and me, do you see? You don't have any reason to be afraid either. Jesus wanted the disciples to recognize that they could run to him, that they could come to him no matter what they were facing and that he had the power to change whatever it was that was causing their fear. Whatever misunderstanding the disciples had, Jesus had their answers. And ultimately, the disciples could come to only one conclusion. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Dear friends, that's the Jesus that you know. That's the Jesus that you worship. The one who is master over wind and wave. And so when the troubles of this life pop up, when the storms of this life visit, it's good for you to ask yourself this question. Who's in your boat? Oh, and maybe there's a time or two where we think, is Jesus sleeping? Is he on that cushion asleep? Does he really know what's happening in my life? But Jesus promises that he's with you. He's right there. And you know Jesus' power. 
You know he has the power to make whatever storm is going on in your life go away completely. But what if he doesn't? What if we still suffer through those storms? Well, you know God's promises in the midst of storms too. That he will give us the strength to endure whatever crisis we face in this life. Sometimes you'll notice a strength that you didn't even know you had that comes from God and his promises. And it goes one step further. Jesus promises that he can and will use the storms of our life to accomplish good for us. What if that storm is that storm of sin and guilt that's eating away at your heart, that's causing fear, that makes you wonder if God still loves you, if he still cares about you? Jesus says to the fears in your heart, quiet, be still. I already sacrificed myself to atone for your sins. Your guilt is absolved. You're free. See, when the storms of life get us down, when we feel swamped by the things of this life, that's when Jesus lifts us up. The one who was lifted up on a cross, who stretched out his arms to die for you and me, that Jesus cares about you. That same Jesus was lifted up from the grave to guarantee that you and I are forgiven, that our sins are washed away forever. This is Jesus. This is the Jesus who's in our boat, who's by our side every day, the Jesus who can calm every storm in our lives. And Jesus invites us, run, to run to him, to know that he's waiting, to know that he has the power over every storm and that he'll calm the storms of our heart as well. I love how the writer to the Hebrews described it as we read earlier in Hebrews chapter 6, the the hope that we have, something solid in God's promises. He says it this way, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We're anchored in Jesus, in the strength that Jesus alone can provide. And that strength means that we'll never be thrown by the winds and waves of this life when we're holding on to the rock the anchor, our Savior, Jesus. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, storms of life can and will pop up in our lives, but through Jesus, we are ready. We know those storms will come, and when they do, we know where to go. Jesus himself invites us, come to me when you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Number two, Jesus' power over all things includes the storms in our lives. Yes, Jesus has the power to make those storms go away but he'll also give you the strength to endure them and he will use them for your good. Number three, we run to Jesus, trusting him to calm our hearts and guide us home to heaven. When we question whether Jesus is really with us through the storms, we don't have to look any further than the bloodstained cross, which becomes the assurance, the anchor for our soul, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. I want to take you back to that painting from the beginning, uh, the painting by Jack Dawson, because there's some cool parts to this that are are hidden as you kind of look at it and found a YouTube video that sort of explains really the scriptural basis for this painting and why you and I can live every day with confidence. The cross of Jesus is our rock. It's our assurance that he is with us always and it's what we can take with us every day. And lie down and sleep in peace because Jesus calms storms. Amen.
Peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.